we think that, uh, you know, processing or doing something externally um, is going to be what helps us with our mental health. But Welcome to Creating Wellness Moments, the podcast where we dive into the depths of the human psyche, self-discovery, and personal growth. I'm Calvin Wong, your host and fellow explorer on this journey towards mental well-being. Join me as we uncover inspiring stories, expert insights, and practical tips to cultivate a healthier and happier life. Get ready to embark on a transformative experience one episode at a time. Let's create wellness moments together. Hello and welcome to Creating Wellness Moments podcast. Today we have Mangus. She is a dedicated and compassionate counselor with a rich background in teaching and in youth work. Deeply passionate about helping individuals navigate their life standards challenges and fostering their personal growth. With over eight years of experience as an educator, both locally and internationally, she has honed her communication skills and empathetic skills, which she now brings to her own counseling practice. Her time working with youth has equipped her with a deep understanding of their unique needs and struggles. She believes in creating a safe space and non-judgmental space where individuals can explore their feelings and thoughts. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. So I just wanted to quickly touch on, you know, how, how you became a counselor and what's your inspiration behind that? Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, this new journey for me is, is, is really a mid-career switch. And um, it came at a good time in my life, I feel um, after having worked with children and many, many people over the years, I realized that uh, there's a skill that I had. And, I, you know, sometimes you notice people just come to you and ask, ask you, uh, you know, they have a conversation with you and, and they feel they're like, hey, okay, you know, I came with all these burdens and after I talk to you, it just, you know, seems like life can be done. And uh, that experience kept happening to me over and over again um, and at one point um, as I was doing my usual administrative work and sitting in front of the laptop I realized hey you know um, why am I not utilizing or developing and honing the skill of uh, uh, that seems to be you know coming to me naturally and that's when I started pursuing my master's in counseling and it has been quite a journey because you think that, oh, you know, uh, people come to you with their problems and you help to solve them. Therefore, you're a great counsellor. And then you go study counselling and you actually start doing it. And then you realise, hey, not really. <laughs> you're not solving anyone's problem. That's making it worse. So um, it's been quite a journey, um, I would say. Yeah, and, and, and I'm very, very excited to be on this uh, new path working with many individuals now. Yeah, that's very great to hear. And would you you work with more uh, youth, or uh, is there just anyone who needs some help? <laughs> yeah, a lot of my training and my uh, current clientele are in the you know are they either teenagers or young adults. Um, and I have worked with adults mainly, but my speciality is still um, you know between the ages of twelve to twenty five. Okay, I see. Is there a specific reason why you decided to choose that age group? Um, well, I would say it's 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 partly providence and partly 
a plan. <laughs> um, to be honest, uh, like I said, I used to be an educator. I've, I'm very comfortable working with uh, young adults and children. And um, it just so happened that in my early training, when I was, uh, you know, becoming a counsellor, a lot of the work I did was with uh, youth and youth organisations. Um, and from there, you know, the, the clients who continued with me uh, also happened to be in that age. So I feel that that's, that's it's really a, a providence <laughs> that mm -hmm. I'm working with them. I see. It's almost like a happy accident. <laughs> yeah, it's a happy accident, exactly. Yeah. So in terms of approaching the stigma around mental health, um, how do you kind of take that into account in your practice and be aware and help your clients be comfortable with, with the stigma behind it? Yeah. I think, um, you know, in this day and age, thanks to social media and thanks to the exposure of um, mental health and all the resources that are available, I feel that uh, it's a lot easier to uh, work with the stigma, especially when, when we're dealing with the younger generation. Um, it's no longer uh, taboo to seek counselling or seek help. And, and there are lots of platforms available now where people can reach out anonymously um, or not have to inform the whole world, you know, that they're seeing a therapist in a way uh, for them to feel comfortable about it. So um, I don't really encounter much of uh, a resistance in that respect. However, I do agree that, you know, um, it's still quite a challenge to openly talk about CP therapy um, in the work environment, for example, or e even among family members, because um, there's a generation gap in terms of, you know, what's acceptable and, and, and you know, there are some people who, who still connect therapy to, oh, I've got mental, I, I, I'm mental, you know, and, and there's, there's that that uh, black and white definition of it, um, that's still a challenge um, that, you know, there's always going to be a work in progress. But I do see, you know, uh, on the ground that things are changing and they are improving for the better. And the younger generation usually educate their parents or their, their grandparents, in fact, and tell them, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm actually helping myself. So so that, that's a good uh, movement, I think. Yeah, definitely. I would say I could relate to that where you start telling your parents about mental health and teaching them that, you know, this is uh, something that will allow us to benefit in terms of our well-being, uh, overall health, and even productivity. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So now that you've been working for a while, I'm sure there's a few success stories that really touch your heart and say, you know, what I'm doing now is, is is really the right direction. Can you share some of those to me? Uh, sure, definitely. I mean, there are many experiences. I think uh, being a counselor, is it's a two-way growth process, I would say. Um, a lot of the times, you know, whatever they are going through, sometimes I, I have experiences where, hey, look, I should be, I, you know, I can take that advice too, you know, <laughs> like, and, and it just comes in the flow of conversations. And um, there are lots of moments where even I experience goosebumps, um, not because I'm helping another individual, but when they themselves come to a, to a conclusion or they themselves see an opening for themselves, it's just so inspiring that 
you know, I, I'm sometimes just speechless um, at the progress that people make just with their own commitment to, you know, finding themselves or finding a way out of it. So um, let me be a bit specific. So there was there was one instance where I had a client who, you know, um, constantly struggled with uh, her self-esteem and uh, her, 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 her view of life. Um, and everything seemed to be a criticism. And in the course of our conversation, um, she brought up the... Uh, you know, the desire to be free of that. Like she says, you know, I, I wish I can just be at peace. <laughs> you know, I don't want to experience this anymore. And I just had a conversation with her about what that would look like and, you know, what would, how would she react to the situations that she reacts to naturally. And her response was, I'll just not be impacted by it. And I said, okay, that's nice, you know, just go ahead, do that. And in the middle of the week, she messages me and she's like, you know what, I just need to tell you something. Today, like, um, someone just criticized my work and I was completely not affected by it because I knew that, you know, that that person doesn't define what I'm doing. And I'm so happy that, you know, it's the first time in my life I experienced that, not, not being affected by someone else's criticism. And I said, wow. And that was a goosebump moment for me because, you know, this is what the work is all about, where I didn't, you know, honestly, as a counsellor, I put myself, I don't make the change happen. Um, it is the individual who comes seeking that support who makes that change happen. And when that, I just become a witness to that. It's quite miraculous, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really beautiful. And it sounds like um, this fostering these conversations just um, opens up new experiences, not only for you, but also for the clients, which uh, ultimately you're almost leading them to find the place where they're able to help themselves. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. And I don't even see it as a, I'm leading them. I see it as a privilege that they have sought my help um, and, and trusted me with their space. Uh, to give them that space rather to to be on that journey. So it's it's really a privilege. It's difficult, but uh, the journey is never smooth. Uh, but the trust that the client my clients give me is is something that I really uh, appreciate. Yeah, that's really nice. And this is there anything that you do on your own personal time to make sure that your mental wellness or or mental health is in check? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's always the classic question that all counselors get, right? Yes, do 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 therapists get therapy? Um, you know, our in the industry itself right now is is it's growing and becoming more structured. So we do have uh, a pool of um, supervisors that we um, seek. Uh, support from, um, especially if we're doing it freelance. Um, so we do uh, get trained in that respect. And in terms of my own mental wellness, um, I like to travel and uh, I also write a lot. So I, I do practice um, journaling and writing out some of my emotions and learning to process them. Because a lot of the times I find that when I process my emotions uh, healthily, 
I'm able to work through that process with the clients as well. So the more work I do on myself, it, you know, somehow or other it impacts the, the work that I do as well. Um, and, you know, there are so many experiences where I can tell you today I, I, I process anxiety and the client who I speak to a few days later talks about anxiety and having difficulty processing it. It's, it's so crazily, you know, linked that you just wonder, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, in terms of just speaking about links and uh, having an outlet, like a creative expression to express yourself and, and have that space, um, what kind of impact do you think that has in terms of your mental health and you know what, what should people do to be able to foster this creative expression to make themselves uh, have a better well-being? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I like to just put in a little uh, uh, caveat at that moment in this in, at this point because we think that, uh, you know, processing or doing something externally um, is going to be what helps us with our mental health. But more often than not, it, the, it all begins with awareness. Um, first, identifying and knowing that something is off because, you know, most of us in, in our daily lives, we're so used to routine and we're so used to everything that's happening that we don't take the time to actually feel or check in with ourselves um, to know that something is off, right? When you're busy working, you're busy like dealing with your kids or, you know, with your family or just dealing externally, there's no space to really see what's happening inside. So I would recommend just taking five to 10 minutes a day, checking in with yourself, like, okay, do I, what were the emotions I went through today? You know, did I feel upset? Was I upset about something? Was I sad about something? Was I angry about something? Did something make me happy? Just being in touch with the emotions that we're experiencing internally and also being aware of where that emotion is happening. You know, is it like, did I think a lot today? Did I feel uncomfortable in my shoulders? You know, was there like a sinking feeling? Knowing that and building that awareness is really the first step before finding a creative outlet for it, right? So if I'm if I can identify, okay, today I'm really upset, how am I gonna process this? Then okay, maybe I'll just go for a dance class, I'll go for a run, or you know, I'll write something out. That would help um release that pent-up energy or that pent-up emotion um, in a more healthier and sustainable way rather than, okay, let me just ignore what's happening. I'm going to go for a run. I don't feel good. I'll go for a run. I don't feel good. I'm going to write something out, you know, and, and just doing it instinctively. I think bringing awareness into the daily experience of it um, deepens the experience. And maybe at, at, at some point, you, you know, we can totally be uh, free of that unhealthy pattern that, that keeps us stuck. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really great insight in terms of just being more aware and mindful and intentional of what we're doing, right? especially in the day and age we live in with, you know, such a fast paced world of instant gratification. We don't really take that break for us to yeah. just ask ourselves or just think about what we're doing uh, yeah. instead of just going with that instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a more of a, um, instead of living a reactive life, um, you live a life that you are in control of, um, that, that, you know, you can say and you know what is happening. Mm -hmm. And 
like you said, it only takes uh, about five minutes a day. You know, it's a, that's a very good starting point. And uh, yeah, personally for myself, I do do some meditation in the morning, about 15 to 20 minutes. And I think from my personal experience, just having that uh, time to be intentional for the day uh, help, helps get a lot more clarity. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, um, I'm sure there's lots and lots of um, um, material out there uh, with guidance and you know um, um, information on pe- for people to ground and just be uh, mindful of of their actions. And I think you know what really helps is to bring that mindfulness and bring that awareness into every part of the day, into you know five minute portions. Um, just to ensure that you know we're releasing the energies that that are building up inside of us. So I don't know if you if you've ever noticed that you know the emotional experience is is more physical, um, and most of us think that emotions happen you know in our thoughts, um, but a lot of times when we're experiencing an emotion, there is also a bodily um, reaction or an experience that we try to, we're not, not we, when we're too stuck in the thoughts, we don't really feel that. And and that actually is um, uh, you, you know, when we say suppressing emotions, when you say suppressing emotions, that's what you're doing. You're actually not feeling what you're feeling in the body, not a woo-woo, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say a lot of times we, we only really think of the extreme kind of scenarios where, someone will have a panic attack, then they'll have a physical manifestation. Whereas any kind of emotion, you're already having these um, physical manifestations, we're just not quite aware because we're not so intentional or in touch with what's actually happening to us, right? Yeah, yeah. And and those are the moments, you know, for me, um, especially when I work with a lot of my clients, um, I do notice that that's, that's always the clue you know, sometimes um, people might say, oh, I'm, I'm really, really tired. I feel very tired. Every day I'm very tired. I'm very tired. And and when you notice that word coming up a lot, like, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. At one point, you'll realize, hey, what are you really tired of? You know, it's not a physical exhaustion anymore. At some point, it is an emotional exhaustion. Um, and there's just no expression of it, right? Because we don't know what we're feeling. So it just manifests as fatigue. But it might not be uh, physical fatigue. It might be just, you know, feel, feeling really overwhelmed, um, feeling un- in, out of control, uh, or just not being able to calm down or not being able to be at peace, worrying a lot. So. Um, a lot of these emotions come together and they just manifest physically. Sometimes it's a neck pain. Sometimes it's a, you know, a cramp in the arm. So that, these are all little, little things that, that give you a clue sometimes on, on what's not um, in balance. Hey there, amazing listeners. Before we dive deeper in today's insightful conversation, I want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to the driving force behind this podcast my very own mental health-focused creative production agency, Calvin Wong Media. As you know, creating wellness moments is all about exploring the depths of the human psyche and fostering personal growth. And guess what? 
It would not be possible if it were not for Calvin Wong Media. We conceptualize, humanize, and bring your story to life using unique storytelling techniques that engages the audience. So, the next time you're inspired by an episode or find yourself engaged in a thought-provoking conversation here, remember, that's the result of the support of Calvin Wong Media and its lovely kinds. If you're looking to amplify your message, tell your story with authenticity, and connect with your audience on a deeper level, reach out to us at calvinwongmedia.com. Now back to the conversation on creating wellness moments. First, uh, while we're on the subject, I want to touch a little bit on uh, stress and stress management, especially when uh, being in Singapore, it's, it's quite prevalent. So what would you say uh, in terms of suggestions that we could help alleviate or manage stress? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people manage stress very healthily already. Um, because we each have our own ways that we've learned in our lives of coping with it. So I, I don't really like to prescribe a right way and a wrong way because everyone has their own way. For some, it might be just, you know, going for a run. For some, it might be just being quiet. For some, it might be sulking and crying a little bit. You know, for others, it might be shouting. It can be expressed in many different ways. And um, it's it's quite um, unfair to say that, you know, one way is better than the other. Of course, there are certain uh, methods of stress relief that might hurt another individual or make an impact externally to others. So, of course, that we want to minimize on. But generally speaking, I think a very, very easy technique is just breathing. Um, bringing attention to one's breath. So every time there's an overwhelming feeling of like, you know, um, you know, the stomach is sometimes sinking or there's like a big baby burden that you feel on your shoulder, it's just good to hmm, just let it out, you know, take a deep breath in, bring it out. Because what the breath does is it, it kind of turns your body off the survival mode and brings it into the rest and relax mode. So just being able, and if you notice sometimes when people are in, in uh, stress uh, or experiencing stress, they forget to breathe. So you, you find yourself holding your breath a lot. And, and that's actually the body's biological um, way of surviving a really high intense situation. So just taking a moment to take a deep breath in and let it out. Um, you'll be amazed how magically it can just calm you down and over time of course um, this this becomes a habit and, and uh, then you become more aware of that and then you also become more aware of your own state right the more you you connect the breathing to the stress state then after a while you'll be like oh okay I'm stressed then you calm down <laughs> yeah I appreciate you explaining the a bit of science behind that and it's not just a Everyone just telling you to do breathing exercises. Yeah, it's not just down. breathing. I, I, of course, I, I've heard it. It's done to death, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I also feel a bit uh, self-conscious when I when I suggest breathing, uh, because you know everyone's like, oh, whatever. It's just breathing. I know, I know what you mean. But but there is so much um, wealth to that simple intervention. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit interesting to see how, you know, we have these techniques that are you know, ingrained in our system, basically, physiologically, we were able to, you know, 
trained to essentially relieve the stress by even just breathing. <laughs> so something yeah. like so simple, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And and that's that's one of uh, the philosophies I go by as well. You know, it's it's always going back to the basics. I think uh, every human being is born and equipped with. Uh, there, there's all the solutions that they need, you know, for their own well-being. Um, and sometimes it's just coming back or discovering what's already there that really helps. Of course. And just in terms of you working with a lot of youth, um, and as you said earlier, that with social media, there's a lot more uh, awareness in terms of mental health and mental well-being. However, at the same time, there's quite a bit of misinformation and uh, miss self-diagnosis. And do you yeah. kind of run into these issues in your own work? Oh, all the time, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, you know, sometimes I, we, we have clients coming in just with all the diagnosis, you know, they know, oh, I have this, I have this, I have this. And um, sometimes there's nothing wrong, but they feel that there's something wrong. And it's, it's quite a challenge um, in this day and age with that, right? Because information is so prevalent that there's no filter and every individual um, gets to absorb and understand that information in their own way. So when, when I when I work with a lot of youth, um, at some point, the theories go out of the window. We can't, we don't talk about theories. We don't talk about information anymore. And it all becomes about the individual. Um, and the person and what they are going through. Because most of the time, everything that people are reading, whatever they are trying to learn about, the basic point is they are struggling with something. There is some issue that they need help with and they're trying to find a solution to or they're finding a way to manage or there's, there's some need that um, they're trying to fulfill. And really in our sessions, you know, it's it's really about discovering what that need is uh, with the client and with them. So, you know, most of the clients who come in and have all these uh, theories about what's wrong with them, sometimes it can be something as simple as, you know, um, they feel lonely or they can't express that they feel rejected um, by their peers or by their family or, you know, even by themselves. Um, and these are the deeper things that, that we talk about that, you know, no amount of information on the internet can really help because um, every individual has their own personal journey and, and there's a need that they have that they want to fill. So that's that's really the point. Yeah, that's a, I think that's quite a good way to think about it. And when you experience this kind of uh, client, when they have all this self-diagnosis and information, would you say it would be almost beneficial to throw out all the labels and just figure out how to help this individual and see what the need or what they're struggling with um, and just get throw all the labels out? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, not to disregard labels, of course, you know, I don't want, I'm not, I, I, there is there is some uh, need or, or, or worth behind um the diagnosis that, that exists out there and there are professionals that they can seek that diagnosis from who will give them the structured help that they need. Um, so it's not that I'm discounting uh, the labels, but 
oftentimes when it comes from the individual, that means there's no like professional consultation. They haven't seen a psychiatrist or they haven't gone to a psychologist, done a test and gotten that diagnosis. But they just say, oh, you know, I have all these symptoms, so therefore I have this. I think I have this. Um, that's the moment where I would really just, you know, take a step back and really assess what's going on there you know, and ask a few questions. And of course, I'm, I'm trained to uh, spot the, the symptoms and the cycle so that I can point them in the right direction after that. I can't, I don't diagnose, um, but I, I at least have some training to, to you know, guide them in the right direction at least in terms of these diagnosis. Yeah, thank you. And just a little bit more about uh, the professional diagnosis versus the, you know, information yeah. on the internet. Are you, are, you, are you able to explain the importance of that and why you know, it's important to seek mental help <laughs> uh, from a professional, not just have a self-diagnosis on the internet. Yeah. Okay, I think I, uh, maybe I could use uh, the simple example of depression. Okay, so, you know, everyone who feels down, um, they tend to use, okay, I, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm feeling very depressed. I'm, I'm depressed, right? So um, there's a difference between the experience of, feeling depressed or feeling down for a certain period of time and an actual diagnosis that says you have depression you know there's there's like uh, uh is it extended depression you know is it is it just uh, a short term there are medical terms and diagnosis for the different types of depression that you ex you experience based on a certain criteria they have certain criteria okay like like i said i'm not trained to diagnose this um and and in that situation you know a psychiatrist would be the the best person to approach for a professional diagnosis um a medical diagnosis through which you know you can get access to medication and other forms of treatment um but as a counselor if i'm speaking to someone and they're saying they're depressed you know some things that i would really look at is their mood over the last one month their mood over the last two months? Um, has, has this mood been extended over six months? Uh, what are the resources that they have? How have they been coping with these emotions? Um, are they able to function in their daily lives? You know, there, there are a few things that you would really want to look at uh, deeper to understand whether it's just a moment, like it might be an event that triggered the low feeling that can be worked through and processed. Um, or, you know, if it's more extended and there's there's um, a lot to unpack, it could also be a, a physical issue, issue where, you know, the, the, the chemicals in the brain are, are having difficulty uh, balancing up and, and that's when I would uh, recommend a referral and uh, send people in that direction. So it's, it's easy to loosely use the word. Um, but that does not mean that you know everyone who feels depressed has depression. There's this is a, this is a slight difference there. Yeah, thank you for the brief explanation. And I would say it's quite refreshing to hear that you, you really know where the boundaries lie in terms of um, you know the difference between a counselor and a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And uh, quite often, I would say the lines are quite blurred, especially for the general public. And it, I think it's quite important for, for mental health professionals to know, uh, you know, yeah. what they can do and what they can't do and di direct people to able to get the correct help that they need. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, for, for counsellors, our first uh, rule of thumb is we do no harm. And, uh, you know, one important way in which we do no harm is to uh, say that we don't know when we don't know and, and be very honest and upfront about um, not being able to help uh, because that can be the greatest help uh, for an individual, you know, sometimes. So, uh, yeah, it's part of our training. Yeah, thank you. Um, so in terms of just someone trying to seek therapy or mental health for the first time, what would you say to them and and what are the kind of the expectations they should have first time going around it? I would imagine it's uh, quite scary as a first experience, right? Yes, I, I mean, uh, the nervousness and the uh, apprehension is always there. Uh, but, you know, for me, what I personally feel is if you know that you need you help and if you want the help, um, you're already ready to help yourself. And I think that should be the the only criteria you need to, to seek a therapist. And um, also, I think sometimes we, we go in with this um, expectation that every therapist we see is the one and we have to stick to them and you know that's the that's the perfect uh match uh, even if we don't feel comfortable i i would say that it's okay to actually have a few sessions or one session or two sessions and really check with yourself if you feel comfortable opening up to that person um and and whether you you feel um okay to share if it's a good fit and you feel that you're getting something out of that then you know it's 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 perfectly okay to continue um, the sessions if if there's anything that's coming up for you. Because even sometimes um, it's possible that a person reminds you of someone in your life, right? So you might go into a session and you're like, I don't know, I feel judged by this person, right? And on the other hand, on the other end, the counselor, the therapist might not be judging you, but there's always this sense and sometimes th these are important points to, to be aware of and to share it, you know, you can tell the counsellor, you know, I feel really judged um, when I'm saying this, I don't know why. And having that conversation and being open, even in the first few sessions, really will help you build a deeper uh, connection uh, with the therapist and, and that really helps to bring out a lot of things that you never even knew were there. So, um, it, it can be nerve-wracking, but I think if anyone has the desire that they want to seek help, that desire in itself is is an indication of their readiness to do it. Um, even though it might be frightening, I think um, counsellors always are trained to provide a safe space. So, you know, invest yes. in that um, uh, space for yourself. Of course. Um, other than you know, having the proper qualifications and seeking the correct mental health professional for the problem that they might have, what would you say, how would they kind of make a checklist for themselves to see if this might be a right fit even before uh, going to the first session, if that's possible? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really uh, setting the standard a bit. <laughs> <laughs> might not be that, you know, if we're moving into the space of perfectionism uh, in that sense, because I think there is no right or wrong. Um, there is no real checklist. I think people who are seeking therapy would 
you know, either know about the therapist through their friends, their family, or they would have uh, found it online, or um, they would have approached an organization so that that you know basic form of research would have already been done. Um, and I think the the individual um, has everyone is different, so there is no. Uh, I refuse to give any formula or checklist or program, uh, simply because you know we as individuals are so um, unique, and our and our issues and the difficulties we're going through are so personal that. Um, just seeking that help and, and being in that session and speaking what you seek support for um, will be what tells you uh, whether you're in the right place or not, you know. And sometimes if clients are not ready, uh, you will, you, the client, like if I was a client, I go into session and I'm talking about it and it's just too overwhelming for me and I don't want to actually uh, work through this. I would remove myself automatically, right? So it, it's it's so um, natural in that sense that uh, that's that's really the experience of it. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate you challenging me, and it just sounds like everyone has to do their own due diligence. And um, if you don't find the correct professionals uh, the first time around, it's okay, and it does take some exploration and um, see what's the right fit. For you, I, I have also per personally faced that in my own personal life, so I, I know what you're coming from. And so, is there anything else that you would love to kind of say to, in order for us to be able to advocate or reduce the stigma behind the mental health space? Um, you know, firstly, Calvin, thank you for this opportunity and this platform for me to just, you know, bear myself and and, and share a lot about what I'm doing. Um, and if there's something I want to say to to everyone who's listening, is it's really that, you know, therapy or seeking help is something that is natural. Um, we as human beings are designed to to be in a community and to be in, in spaces that are empowering and, and helpful to us. So there's no such thing as I solve my own problems on my own. Um, and it, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, coming into, instead of looking at it as a therapy, you know, I'm going for therapy or treatment, um, you know, one way of looking at it is really coming into a community that uh, offers a safe space, offers a healthy space for human beings, for individuals to just be authentic and to bear their hearts and just, you know, share what is going on in their lives so honestly and not be judged or not be, you know, hurt or not be rejected for that authentic self that they're sharing. So it's, it's really about coming into a community and not about, you know, treatment or, you know, whatever having some mental problems you know if you notice the words that are associated with this whole space it's always like there is something wrong and that needs to be right but in actuality it's really just coming into a place where people are responsible enough to accept individuals as who they are and to give them that that sense of you know direction or, or give them that strength to discover within themselves um, how they can uh, add value to their lives so that's it. It's coming into a community. Thank you, Mangus. Yeah, that's a really great explanation and to able to help reframe, you know, what we how we think about mental health or mental well-being in general. 
So yeah, once again, thanks so much for being on the show and uh, let's create more wellness moments together. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelvin.